Uh, hello, and welcome to For Your Reconsideration. I'm Devin. And I'm Kyle. And usually our podcast is all is based on the, the idea that it takes at least 10 years to really determine the merit of a film. And this week on our special bonus episode, we are discussing 2017 because we don't follow our own rules. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so th- this episode... Well, we're to be fair, this is an... Like this is an Oscar podcast. Yes. We are, you know, we are highlighting this year in movies and we're about to have more supplemental material regarding this year's Oscars. So. Yes, absolutely. Because we care about the Oscars, obviously. We do. A little bit. We create a podcast about it. I don't know why it's weird. Well, it is what it is. <laughs> it's just an award, you know. I know, but it's everything. <laughs> uh, so I have to say 2017, I think, was an unusually great year of film. Do you agree? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think this is the hardest time I've had putting my year-end list together in a while. I could only agree with that. It was difficult. Some some great movies missed the cut. Um, did you notice any, like, trends in movies when you were putting your list together or anything? Um, damn, why would you surprise me with that question? I'm sorry. I'll talk about the trends yeah. that I noticed. Why? Yeah, that's a great <laughs> idea. So I really feel like, obviously, I think the biggest story to hit Hollywood this year was the whole... Um, Time's Up movement that was a response to the Harvey Weinstein scandal and the various other scandals that have popped up since then and just kind of women empowering themselves in Hollywood and sharing their stories and you know I really thought you know putting my list together I think all but one of my one two of my movies on my top 10 like eight of the 10 are female-led movies which is pretty on brand for me, but I think that it's rare that I would have the opportunity to have so many movies with female leads be great. Do you know what I mean? Usually you're not going to get that many choices in a year. And even like, I'm going to go through the box office in a minute, but I think the top three movies of 2017 were all female led movies. So I think it's a, it's a trend in Hollywood right now. And I think it's, you know, moving in the right direction after decades of male-led movies and female supporting characters. I think we're finally uh, getting more complex, interesting female-led movies. And I think that was reflected also in just the way Hollywood is responding to things. Right, this year. exactly. I think they, they're going hand in hand this year. Mm-hmm. Um, at, looking over my list, which I know we're about to talk about shortly, I'm not seeing, honestly a lot of trends maybe some more up-and-coming directors but yeah they're all just good is the only trend i can really see that's probably a good trend for your list i mean yeah again and i'm I'm approaching my list certainly as not just best but also just like personal favorites yeah so i want to throw that out there not only are these movies i think that are just technically the best movies but they're movies that kind of mix that and just being honest my style like my sure appeal to you yeah yeah for sure yeah i would say the same caveat applies to my list as well i think i I mean i don't have any bad movies on my list in my opinion but there are also things that are maybe appeal to me more than they might appeal to other people but sure i also just realized when looking at my list i don't have any numbers okay well you better get some so we're about to do this as a ranking i'm glad that you're prepared for this yeah i didn't think about it you know what can my rank you know what I, i decided my ranking just also happens to be in alphabetical order Cool. Sound good? Sure. That's not true. You know what? Let's take a brief break. Sure. While I number these. <laughs> All right. And we're back. Sorry about that. Okay. I do have a uh, 
numerical order to my list now. Well, good. We start I'm with one, right? No. Ten being best because it's a higher number? No. No? Oh, okay. Shit. Why'd you say shit? Because I thought I had this pulled up and now it's not. Oh, so now we're... So, you All that time I had to take my break to, to, to number my list. <laughs> you could not have had any... You literally just sat there over there doing nothing. <laughs> I want to I want to emphasize that for our audience. And now you are struggling to find your list. I'm not struggling. I didn't. I wasn't trying to find my list. I had to pull up the box office because I want to oh. go over the box office real oh, quick okay, of 2017. Okay. Fun facts. Yeah. Well, it's not really fun facts. It's just the box office. Just facts. Facts. All right. So you ready for the top ten movies of in America? In the I don't know if this is. Wow. I guess this is domestic. <laughs> Doing a great job over there. Me. you're the one who was unprepared I know. i'm well, prepared well you are you're more prepared than i am yeah i will give you that per usual per the use oh my god number 10 was justice league number nine despicable me three number eight thor ragnarok number seven jumanji welcome to the jungle uh number six was it number five spider-man homecoming Number four, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. Number three, Wonder Woman. Uh, number two, Beauty and the Beast. And number one, Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Excellent. So it all seems pretty par for the course in recent years. It's a lot of superhero movies, a lot of sequels to popular franchises. and Mostly tentpole movies, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, I feel like, is the one kind of like... No, it's a horror movie. Well, yeah, it's a horror movie, but I mean... They usually do pretty well. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. And it's true. like a, a more infamous horror movie. It's not just like your flavor of the week horror movie. Sure. I'd say like I haven't seen some of those movies. Like I haven't seen Jumanji. I've heard it's funny. I haven't heard seen Spider-Man. But I think I've seen all the rest of... Oh, I didn't see Despicable Me 3 because I'm an adult. But um, besides Justice League, I feel like that's all fine. Those are By the way, fine. adults do see these movies. With their children. Yes. You just don't have kids. No. So it's not that you are an adult. It's that you don't have any kids. Yes. Okay. I was just going to say, besides Justice League, I feel like that's fair enough for those top ten. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Justice League was terrible, though. So those are the those are the top ten movies uh, box-wise, box office-wise. Box <laughs> Let's get into our top ten. You ready? Yes. What is your number ten movie of 2017? Um, my number ten is a little found footage horror movie, believe it or not, called Creep 2. Creep 2. Yeah. Creep uh, was this, I mean, small hit. I believe it was at Sundance, and then Netflix acquired it, um, or Netflix premiered at Sundance. You know what? You're right. I should have done a little bit of research on this, but that was back in 2014. Um, but yeah, it's about this videographer who kind of responds to an ad, and then he goes to this guy's place, and this guy ends up being a serial killer. Oh, no. And this is one of the ways he kills people. So he draws them in. He makes a project out of it. So that's why he wants a videographer specifically. He makes like a video project yeah, out he, of it? Yeah, he, he uses the footage for his own death. Like That's a bad move. That's how you get caught. Oh, uh, well, yeah. You would think. Oh, okay. So uh, <laughs> it doesn't work out that way. And in number two, he kind of decides, well, that's the fun thing. He hires another videographer. This one has a web series. And he, he shows her the last film he made. That's a red flag. Right. But he w he wants the film and he's like 24 hours I will not kill you. Like that is uh, they're establishing rules. Um and he just wants his kind of story to be told. He he wants to be done. 
killing. Yes. But, yeah. Things go back and forth. Um, but it's really just about a guy who's going through the most bizarre midlife crisis you've ever seen. Uh, but he's yeah, a serial killer wanting to kind of hang it up. And uh, they do establish a really excellent relationship. And I mean excellent. It's not that it's a good relationship. It's not that it's bad. It's just a very interesting relationship sure. uh, throughout the course of the film. Um, I can't recommend this movie more. It is a sequel where I certainly believe you should see the first one first, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, I don't think you could just jump right in this one and appreciate it as much. Is it too scary for me? That's my question. No, it's not scary. I is mean, it yeah, too like, it's gory got, like, for it's me? It's got some jump scares. No. Okay. No, Sounds good. gore is not really a thing. It's more about just the intimacy of this found footage aspect and kind of just real life questions. I know that sounds bizarre coming from a, you know, a serial killer character, but it is really something to behold and easily uh, one of the best movies of the year. And it's a horror movie. And I'm not a horror guy. Sure, no. But I, I just truly love this. It's led by... To, by Mark Duplass, who is, you know, he's, he's becoming a name more and more um, as a director and mostly an actor, um, producer now as well. Uh, but yeah, couldn't recommend it more. I believe Creep 2 is now playing on Netflix as well as Creep 1. So check those out, honestly, if you're in the, in the mood for some good, really good, but kind of a different take on the horror genre. That sounds interesting. I'll have to check that out. All right. Well, my number 10 movie uh, is Wonder Woman what directed by patty jenkins um i have it at number 10 just because like you know it's not as good as the other nine yeah well i just mean like when i was making my list uh well throughout the years i see a movie i kind of like keep notes and like rank them or whatever and this had the lowest amount of stars and i have like other things my honorable mentions that actually have more stars than it but i just think that wonder woman in a way is like more than the sum of its parts sure for me um because i do think i don't think it's a perfect movie i think that the villain is pretty weak as far as villains go and i think that the the final battle thing is kind of generic but um overall i just think that wonder woman obviously was a huge cultural moment and we finally have a female superhero who um you know i think a lot of times unfortunately when people create strong female characters they make them cold and kind of like they contribute coldness with toughness and the thing that makes wonder woman so great in my opinion is that she's warm and compassionate and caring and that's where her strength comes from and that's where her um like her super ability you know what i mean that's her driving force and save is just literally being good and saving people and i think that is such an important role model to have for everyone i think it's so important in the current climate of our country to have this female character who's just doing good i mean when the like iconic shot of that movie is her just like going across that no man's land just like taking all the bullets so that other people can go and escape and do all stuff and i just think that's like a beautiful image and i think it's important for everyone and i think that like watching that movie it like got emotional so many times just to like see a female superhero it's kind of one of those things where it's like i didn't realize i wanted a female superhero as bad as i did until i got one and then i was like yes this has been missing in my life no absolutely i absolutely agree uh definitely one of the most fun times i had at the theater this year Mm -hmm. um but like so many others i just had a big problem with that third act yeah, the third act isn't great. It really falls apart when when everything else was so good. Mm-hmm. And then it just, it's like they were 
I don't know. It's like they changed. It's almost like they changed it during filming. I don't think that was the case, but it's almost like something else had to be thrown in or tacked on or reshot or whatever. It just felt very sloppy compared to the rest of the film. Mm -hmm. But overall, I absolutely 100% agree with your message and the message of the movie. And I also think, you know, I was talking about uh, Justice League also came out this year that featured Wonder Woman. And I just think you could see a clear difference between Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman portrayed by a male director and Wonder Woman portrayed by a female director because uh the patty jenkins version is much better i didn't didn't notice that kind of stuff i really didn't well Um, i mean i think you pointed out and like i just it's not that i was like wow she was sexier and just like didn't you know it's not like i did that yeah but i just didn't notice the kind of shots out to like the more male dominated audience then yeah i mean like then there were the shots where she's you know kicking stuff her skirt flies up and you see her butt and just like even when she was um just like diana prince or whatever and there were so many shots just like on her butt she's like walking yeah i do recall that from the from the batman superman dawn of justice they definitely made her sexy Mm -hmm. whereas in wonder woman she's just shown as strong and yeah capable absolutely absolutely I mean, but also being Gal Gadot, she's also very sexy. I mean, yeah, she's very sexy. But like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say Patty Jenkins like toned down. No, it's not like she like uglied her, her up or anything. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she's still beautiful. But like, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but no, Wonder Woman is my number ten movie. Very solid choice. Um, to number nine, I have Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Good choice. Um, is it on your list at all? It is not. Okay. But it's my honorable mentions. Uh, don't I don't want to hear honorable mentions. It's just like it's <laughs> like bragging about other movies you saw this year. We are sticking to top tens and our other little things. Well, I do have honorable mentions. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> uh Blade Runner twenty forty nine, directed by Denis Villeneuve. Um, shot by Roger Deakins. I mean, this is definitely one of the bigger movies I feel released this year. maybe like known uh sequels especially. Um certainly delighted in almost every aspect i loved its pacing i loved its cinematography performances were super solid the visuals were i mean the visual effects were just incredible mm-hmm. um i listed that it certainly has the best sex scene of the year on there and i and i don't mean that as an irate sex scenes but it does the <laughs> most interesting thing i've ever seen where it takes a mixture of a replicant and a hologram and well two replicants and a hologram two replicants sure two <laughs> replicants and a hologram i was just referring to the females for right now oh okay but uh yeah and it's the most it's it's so i i'm at a loss for words it's so it's just so weird yet erotic in mm-hmm. a way and it just you felt the sex appeal from it but it was just, it wasn't, you know, I don't think there was any nudity at that point. Mm-mm. I don't think there was, you know, there was, it didn't show them going into the act by any means, but it just felt so sexy yet and so real for nothing actually being real, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, their whole relationship, like he's a replicant and she's a hologram and artificial intelligence, yeah. but they have, it's, it does raise some interesting questions because it's like, their relationship is it real or not because like neither one of them well, are that's what the, the, the question the whole movie raises yeah which is, i think it's interesting who can feel love mm-hmm. and what is love what is love baby don't, don't hurt, hurt me. me all right we don't have the rights to that so <laughs> no i'm just kidding uh but yeah dunkirk i think or dunkirk <laughs> wow spoiler, spoiler alert yeah. um no blade runner uh 2049 is really uh a crowning achievement this year in cinema, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. It, I have to say it was on my list for a long time, and last minute it got bumped off my list. Things she, happen. She's just going for points here. Going for points? Yeah. All right. Try not to lose any kind of credibility. <laughs> we'll see. Okay. So my number nine is Molly's Game, directed by Aaron Sorkin. So I said uh, at the beginning of this podcast, like it was very difficult for me to put my list together. And I think part of that is like three of my all-time favorite filmmakers all released projects this year. <laughs> yeah. Including Aaron Sorkin, who's my favorite screenwriter of all time. And this was his directorial debut, Molly's Game. It's uh, starring Jessica Chastain about the true story of Molly Bloom, who was an Olympic uh, skier turned poker runner. Was that a poker runner? She ran poker. I think that was a, yeah, that was a title <laughs> choice, but they were between Molly's Game or Poker Runner. Poker Runner. They probably made the right choice. Yeah. Uh, but no, you know, I went into this just kind of like, well, I love Aaron Sorkin, so it's not going to be terrible. <laughs> and I was regardless of how bad it is, I'm still going to love it slightly. Right. Right. <laughs> but I mean, I have a movie like that. I, uh, I really genuinely loved it. First of all, it is Aaron Sorkin's writing at its best. In my opinion, it's top notch, like fast paced dialogue, just smart people talking to each other, which is what I love about Aaron Sorkin. And, uh, but it's the whole movie is so perfectly paced uh, it's what it's over two hours, I think. And it doesn't feel like that at all. It just like goes super fast. And like, I'm not a person who really understands poker, but it does a really great job of explaining what it needs to explain without it coming across as like really heavy exposition. Yeah, amen. He's so great at just kind of like, it's like he's like secretly explaining things to you. And you don't even realize that you've just gotten an exposition dump. And you're just like, oh, that was, I mean, it was yeah, entertaining. He's a, he's a hell of a writer. He's so good. And, uh, and I think the the performances, I think Jessica Chastain gives a really great performance. Easily. Um, and I just think that it's a, it's a fun movie is my basic thing. But it also has an emotional tug to it as well. There's definitely emotional beats that I think hit very well. Um, but it's just a really good movie. Sure. It's I mean, a fun time in the theater. I absolutely agree. I, I, I wish more people were talking about it. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if they market it that well. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because I don't I, it's, you're right, because the way you just explained it, it's a really hard thing to explain because it's like fun and it's fast paced, but then it's dramatic, mm -hmm. and, you know, and it's a tough one, but it's definitely definitely one of the best. I also think the like opening bit of that movie is one of the like best film openings ever where she's going through about some survey that people took about the worst things that can happen to you in sports and like overlay it's like her voiceover doing that overlaid with like her at the Olympics. And it's just great. It's a fantastic way to open a yeah, movie. Yeah, cuz the little thing about her is she was uh, an Olymp Olympian at one point. She was trying to get to the Olympics. Or right? trying to get to the yeah. Olympics. Um and then obviously that's not what the movie's about in yeah. a way, but it's, yeah, you're right. It's it's really great story structure. Yes. Aaron Sorkin is a master. All right. And I think I think the structural debut was I think the directing was very good as well. I think that he I think he's got a bright future ahead of him is what oh, I'm yeah. saying. Oh, I yeah. think Aaron Sorkin is a director to watch. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad. I mean, honestly, I, I I think he could write more projects than direct, but Well, he'll probably keep doing that as well. I use I if I'm going to speak honestly, I don't think this was that like nothing stood out directing for this movie it was what it needed to be the script informed the direction well yeah he's a writer no i i, I get it but okay. i'm just saying okay all right i don't know if he's like a director to watch 
He's certainly a writer. I'm going to watch keep him. Watching. <laughs> sure, I get it. <laughs> All right, my number eight is Good Time, directed by the Safdie brothers, starring Robert Pattinson and Ben Safdie, one of the directors, actually, um, which is just this really gritty, shot on 35-millimeter, grainy uh, heist. Not, not even heist. I don't know what to call it. Criminals on the Run. Sure. Criminals on the Run movie, um, starring a lot of non-professional actors. Um, again, shot gorgeously. One of the best edited movies of the year. The soundtrack is this killer like synthesizer, which has not gotten old yet, I guess. <laughs> um, but kind of this like just eighties. Not I don't even want to say eighties. It's more of just like the modern synthesizer vibe. But uh, it's just one of those movies where I, I like the sum of its parts. I think are just so good like yeah. this movie is just everything felt right um it's a smaller movie but it did end up getting a pretty good release probably with the help of robert pattinson uh mm-hmm. but who is just transformative in this role i don't think you for don't one second edward, edward is on screen <laughs> no i think he he just he kills it he is literally i think you know going to be one of the best actors of his generation i do think it's kind of interesting it's, the way that um i've only seen one of the twilight movies but it was that's why i only saw one it was very bad but then I feel like it's so weird that Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart are both now these like young indie actors to watch. Yeah, you know, they're both yeah, like they clearly really, much better than what they were doing in Twilight. Yeah, they both succeeded, which is just excellent and good for them. Um, yeah, this movie just shows a different side of New York life that you don't really see too often on camera, and I think it's just it's really a sight to watch. It's it's a really enjoyable movie. It's a good time. <laughs> good time. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I uh, I might have some stuff to say about that a little bit And they're bit definitely, those directors are something to watch. Yeah, I would agree. Okay, well, my number eight, don't be mad at me. Why would I be mad at you? It's I, Tanya Ugh. by Greg Gillespie. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, You know, I again, this was a movie, you know, we were kind of at the end trying to cram in a bunch of yeah. noteworthy movies before to see and this was kind of one where i was like i don't know if i need to see it before we do our list but i'm really glad that we did because i just thought this movie was really great i think that um the tone that it strikes well i guess i don't know people don't know what it is it's the story of tanya harding stars margot robbie and allison janney and sebastian stan and um and it i mean it's just it takes a story that i think most people are fairly fair familiar with the broad strokes of it that you know, Tanya Harding may or may not have something to do with Nancy Kerrigan getting her knee bashed in. But it does it in a way, the tone of it, I think it like strikes a really good balance. It's a dark comedy, I think, for sure. But there's also some great dramatic elements to it. I think that um, it's fun and it's funny, but it also leaves you with um, some pretty deep questions about the role that the media plays in casting villains that we just buy into without questioning it um the way that classism affects the way that we view people and i really think you know i'm a person i think i've noticed from you because i know you didn't care for this movie and in watching some of our movies for this podcast i feel like you i i've always really enjoyed anti-heroes i think that they're interesting and i find that sort of thing those kind of characters just fascinating to watch in my opinion and you don't get a lot of female anti-heroes. And so I really enjoyed this because it was a female anti-hero and it did, I think it did a good job of casting her as like, yeah, she had some things happen in her life that 
could contribute to her being the way that she was. And then a certain extent of it is also her own doing. And she's not a reliable narrator and blah, blah, blah. Which I just think is fascinating. And I honestly, I don't really care how accurate that is to the real Tanya Harding because I think that as a film, it's just an interesting character and an interesting story and something that I've like continued thinking about since watching it. Cool. Do you want to tell me why I'm wrong or do you want to just... No, I don't think it's, I don't (laughs) think it's important. Okay. I mean, I just feel like, you know, I felt the the movie is very malicious and I think it's malicious from the start out of even wanting to make a movie based on this type of event. I do think it has a mean spirited edge to it. Yeah. But, but I, I think, understand. Yeah. I, listen, I understand your good review. I just personally didn't care for it. There's no, okay. you're not wrong, obviously. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just explaining why I felt differently. Okay. That's fair. All right. Uh, my, my number six is a little movie called Columbus. Columbus. Directed by a academic, I believe, um, named Koganata, who did film, who's done film essays for several years now. Um, and kind of hoping he's done because I, this is his directorial debut, Columbus. Um, and he's, he certainly made an impression like mm-hmm. directorial debut of the year for me. Um, Koganata, this movie's set in Columbus, Ohio, right? Indiana, yes. Indiana. Columbus, Indiana. Indiana, Columbus, Indiana, where this town decided in like the 1950s they were going to do everything modernist. All their architecture mo- was going to be modern. Yeah, they invited like a bunch of yeah up and coming architects to just come and design all their city buildings mm-hmm. and, and other you know structures. Therefore, um, so yeah, so this movie just kind of takes advantage of that from the perspective of a of a man whose father was there to give a conversation on architecture at the local school. And then he died there. So he's coming to like take care of, you know, the the body and all that stuff that has to go through. Or no, he hasn't died yet. He hasn't it, died yet. He's I'm just sorry. Sick. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. He's sick. Spoiler. <laughs> he is sick. And uh yeah, he's coming there to just make sure, you know, he's gotta do what he's gotta do to take care of his dad. I'm fuck, I ruined that. That's okay. that. I mean it's not listen. He's it's not go. really what the movie's yeah, about. Yeah, it's not it's not what the movie's about. But yeah, so it's this guy who his kind of abandoned architecture because you know it's one of those things his dad just preached his whole life um just loved and obviously you know son a rebellious teenage son who doesn't really care too much about his father you know is going to do the opposite Mm -hmm. so he kind of abandoned it for a while but as he comes to this town and he meets somebody who's a local and she is just in love with certain aspects with certain buildings has an emotional or spiritual connection to them um and he just kind of falls in love with her love for this city mm-hmm. and uh starts embracing a little bit of his father's past bit by bit and it just ends with being one of the best one of the best movies of the year the small movie um from a film essayist named koganada made quite the impression of this year in cinema film spotting gave them their golden, the golden brick, brick of the brick of, brick of the year which is underrated or under the radar yeah it's like yeah up and coming a director to watch type thing a director to watch which is yeah named after ryan johnson who at one point just made these low-key indie movies and now is making star wars last jedi yeah um and sean baker won a couple of years ago yep sean tangerine. baker for tangerine um i mean a lot of great names that we mm-hmm. we revere today uh but yeah so this is koganada i don't think this is the last we're gonna hear from this man no um, I cannot wait to see what he does next. Also, speaking of Star Wars real quick. Oh, okay. I will talk about Star Wars more in a little bit, but I wanted to emphasize that 
this list I posted to the internet was called my best of 2017 with the exception of or wait that or that isn't Star Wars the Last Jedi because I felt that wherever I'm going to come from on this list a Star Wars movie would always be on it like I just love Star Wars I am unbiased about that mm-hmm. um speak this is the only movie I've ever had a problem with as far as controversy like I had to have arguments defend, with people yeah. or defend yeah um but I truly think it's something to absolutely revere uh but I just do want to say that Star Wars is not going to come up on my list for this reason. I will exclude anything that, you know, almost like your Sorkin. Yeah. Right? I'm going to exclude. Except I put Sorkin I'm, on my list. <laughs> no, no, I know, I know, I know. But it's it's like that, though. Um, you know, I'm just so biased that I'm not going to include it. And, you know, I'm going to make way for, for other films to, to populate some of my favorite stuff. Sure. At least for a top ten. That's fair. So I just want to get that out of the way. But anyway, yeah, my number six again is Columbus by Koganada. Are we on seven? Oh, I do want to mention what? What number are you on? Oh shit, I skipped mine. I skipped my number seven. We'll just call Columbus my number seven. That's fine. Okay. I went straight to six. You were falling apart over here, people. Ugh. Uh we've been out of the podcasting game for a little bit. We are. The the episodes you listen to are were recorded, I mean, almost over a year almost a year ago. Yeah. They started. Yeah. And then went throughout the year. But uh yeah, sorry. I I little I messed up my list that I just wrote. Um, <laughs> so my number seven again is uh, Columbus by Koganada. Sure, I do want to say on I, Hulu, by the way. I try, yeah, it is on Hulu. You can watch it now. Uh, I tried really hard to get Columbus on my list because I also loved it a lot. Did not make my list, but I just want to say it is a beautiful film. Um, it's moving and it's gorgeous, and I highly recommend it. Oh, so, would you say it's in your uh, it's in my honorable mentions? Oh, okay, it is. It is. Go figure. Okay, so my number seven. <laughs> is Good Time by the Safety Brothers. Oh, nice. Which you've already kind of talked about, so I'm not going to go through like what it's about or whatever. But um, what I liked about it, it was uh, completely unpredictable. Unless you could be like, what's the worst decision this character could make right now? And then that was the decision that No, and then it was worse than what you <laughs> yeah, could Yeah, then it was predicted. worse than what you could even think of. Um, and it was kind of like watching a car crash in a way where you're just like, horrified by what's happening but then also just like so completely fascinated by it yeah and drawn into it and i wouldn't say you're like rooting for him because he's not i don't know i think you are because one thing i didn't actually mention was the fact that his brother who was the one that gets caught and gets into trouble with the police Mm -hmm. is mentally challenged right well that's why so well, I think he had good intentions, but what he was doing, I think, was not good. No, but I, I, you don't understand. Like, that is the antihero you want to root for. Someone who wants to, like, help the helpless. No. Do you know what I mean? I understand that, but I'm just saying what he thought was going to help his brother, I don't think was what was going to help him. But I still, think where you were rooting for him the whole way. I wasn't, is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I your see. brother needs to stay where he's at because you're not the person to take care of him. Oh, I see what you're saying. No, yeah. no, 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 no. I know, I know. So um, I just want him to get out of this current mess, which he didn't sure. realize the scope of what, like what could be good for his brother. No. I, yeah. He just makes poor choices. Yes. But what I also really kind of liked about it is this is, you know, Robert Pattinson and his brother are, are white, but it does deal a lot with, I think like racial issues that we face in this country. Just the fact that like when they do rob the bank or whatever, they, dresses black men they have like masks Mm -hmm. and then there's there's just like so many tiny ways that he uses white privilege in this film where it's like this is not a privileged character you know i mean like this guy is not you wouldn't call him privileged by any means but you can see 
the ways in which he uses his whiteness to get even the tiniest bit of, of leverage of leverage yep. and advantage. Um, and so I just find that really fascinating because I think that is, I think white privilege is like a thing, a concept that's kind of hard to explain to people. They don't think it's real, but like, <laughs> <laughs> I think that this movie really does a good job of being like, this is what it looks like when it's happening. Amen. Um, I absolutely agree. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. Again, it was a movie where you wanted to see it and I was like, I don't know what this is. Why are you driving me these movies? And then I, uh, I walked out of it. I really, really enjoyed it and made my number seven. So. Cool. Very cool. Awesome. Uh, excellent choice. Thank you. My number six is Person to Person. Another uh, movie set in like New York. Um, actually, A Day in New York featuring a bunch of different characters of different backgrounds and different goals. Uh, Person to Person is a movie by Dustin Guy Defa and it stars... Sorry, I'm like trying to look up information about this while I say it. Um, and it stars Abby Jacobson, who you may recognize from Broad City. Uh, Michael Sarah, who was also in Molly's Game. Yeah. You mentioned that. Um, a girl you really admire, Tabby Jevins- Gevinson. Yeah. Okay. Uh, up and coming fashion blogger, I believe, right? Yeah, or she has like a magazine now. Rookie. Okay. And then like classics like Philip Baker Hall. Uh, what I really want to draw the attention to, though, is this. I don't even want to, I don't even know if I should, can call him an actor. He doesn't have an image on IMDb or anything, but his name is Benny Coopersmith. Oh, he's great. Yes, Benny Coopersmith is is a uh, part of the story. There's three stories that take place um back and forth in person to person. And he stars in this one where he's he's a record collector. He collects vinyl. And he's looking for this certain uh record and he gets a call about it. Some guy's got a copy, so he goes to pick it up, but then he shortly finds out it's it's just a replica. He's getting gypped off. Um, and that's just, again, one third of what this movie really is, or I should say one fourth, cause his roommate does probably count as another story. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just for, I don't think this guy is a professional actor by any means yet. I, he honestly gives like one of the best lightest, but like funniest, uh, performances I've saw in a movie this year. And part of the whole plot is he's got the shirt that he just bought and he really wants to get people's impressions of how he feels in this shirt. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I don't know. I feel like it goes just beyond the shirt thing and just how we all kind of perceive or try to perceive ourselves or try to, you know, be perceived, I guess, to the world and and those around us. And is it the little things that matter or is it who we truly are on the inside? But not everybody obviously gets a a glimpse to see. It's it's I know that all sounds so. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but I just do want to say like person to person is such a wonderful movie again just a day in new york um with all these fun and interesting younger characters it's it's truly a delight and i thought it was really funny um really good indie movie making um and i don't know i couldn't recommend it more that's person to person which is i believe also on hulu right now okay yeah that was good Wow, you, she wasn't listening during my entire speech, so I just wanted to. I was listening. That's why she she's not really reacting to anything. No, I mean I thought it was really good. I don't think I liked it as much as you did, but I do think that's a fun. It's a good movie. It's funny. <laughs> right. It's a good time. Thank you. Quick, just a, it's a quick watch too. I think it's yeah. un, it's under ninety minutes. Uh, but yeah. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, my number six is Get Out by Jordan Peele. Cool. So I do think that um. 
it's kind of hard because uh, this movie came out like in March of last year, so it's almost it was like, like February year. or March. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while since I've seen. I think it is out. Is it out now for you to watch? I don't know. Yeah, it has been for a long we time. Should, we should like, rewatch it. But <laughs> I do think like um, I just remember we went and saw it in the theater, and it's one of those movies where like as soon as it gets done, I was like, I need to see that again. Because yeah. Oh, hundred percent. It's doing so much stuff. It's a suspense thriller in a way. It's uh, an allegory it's yeah. got funny parts it's doing so many different things and it balances them balances them all so perfectly it sets everything up so perfectly where it's like lines that you think mean one thing at the beginning of the film by the time you get to the end of the film you're like oh yeah, yeah they have totally different meaning right it's one of those like click you know yeah that's, that's why, why that's what you meant by you wanted to yeah see i wanted again. to see it again because i feel like i feel like on rewatch it is going to be even better um but i also think it's so i would disagree with that though Cause I, yeah because i think what's part of this that makes the movie great is you don't really know what's going to happen next yeah and once you know what happens next th- that's not going to make a better movie well the only way to find out is if we watch it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. and i also think um you know jordan peele has said that the inspiration for this movie came from this idea that that people had that after obama had been president for eight years that um it was kind of like the end of racism that we had like we've gone beyond racism or whatever uh-huh. which obviously when he made this film he didn't know who was going to be our next president and what the cultural landscape was going to look like now so um i think obviously now we have a good idea that that's not true but i do kind of see like remember when we used to feel that way and so i think that he um this idea that we're living in like a post-racial world and so i think that his film this film really highlights a certain a different type of racism that we're not as familiar with this like cultural appropriation and um the way white liberals think that they're not being racist when they are extremely racist like that kind of thing so i think it's um it's depicting that really well and it shines a light on issues that kind of sometimes get overshadowed by more overt issues if that makes sense um and while it's doing all that which is like very heavy stuff it's also just like a really great fun movie absolutely so and i think i think you know this was his directorial debut and i think that i mean he set himself up so i mean it's just it's really i mean obviously he's done tv and stuff before this but i think it's great that this is his first movie and it's and i also think it's so fantastic that it's still getting so much recognition especially considering the fact that it's a genre film and it came out so long ago in regards to the award season right now but um yeah that's why it's my number six no i absolutely agree with that i think it's a very good movie um i think it, it, it missed my list and i th- i don't know if it's because of the timing because again i don't think i have any other movie that came out in january february on my list mm-hmm. march even but um i'm not a like if i'm gonna be honest, like i'm not a huge horror fan and i know this is kind of a commentary on the genre and it uses the genre mm-hmm. to its effect but like when i look back at the year and although this is probably obviously one of the best uses of social commentary like in a movie this year Mm -hmm. wonder woman i think was a prime example of another one yeah it didn't mean to me that it was a better movie than the rest that are on my list okay and i just need i like i want to specify like something like that um i actually the reason creep 2 is on my list is because i wanted to give that movie a little bit of little bit more of a push if anybody was going to see my list online or whatever and want to check out a movie get more everybody knows about get out do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it is one of the most talked about movies of the year. Um, I really do think it's amazing. I think I I want to see the next whatever he makes next. 
probably more than well just about as much as some of the directors on my list Mm -hmm. i really want to see what whatever he makes next i don't care what it is i don't care if it's keanu 2 i know he didn't direct (laughs) that but i love that movie too (laughs) um but yeah get out for sure what number was that that was my number six okay so number five number five i have a movie dunkirk which i kind of spoiled earlier (laughs) uh dunkirk i won't talk much about it again it was a very high profile movie this year directed by christopher nolan um i just do want to say it's to me it's almost a master class in filmmaking everything done in this movie to me is done so well from the cinematography to the editing um to like art direction and design um the score sound design like everything was just so good to me and even though this is probably the one of the the, this is probably the only movie on my whole list that's been just promoted it was promoted like months and months ahead of time yeah it actually just surprised me how much i enjoyed it at the end of the day got something i didn't quite expect even though it's obviously based on history i could have just like done a little research sure just done a quick google but i think it was just made so masterfully and if anybody knows me well, they know I'm not a big Christopher Nolan fan. So this is in no way just like stroking his fan ego. Boy. Yeah, no, 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 no. But I think this is by far his best film. Um, and, you know, one of the best of the year for me. So yeah. Dunkirk. Dunkirk. How does it? Dunkirk. 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 Alrighty. Cool. Uh, my number five is Phantom Thread by Paul Thomas Anderson. Nice. Um, when it's also Daniel Day Lewis's supposed last film, yeah, I'm I mean, not. He'll probably it. just stick to it to just like. I think it's going to be like a Steven Soderbergh retirement, where in two years he's going to be in movies again. I mean, <laughs> no, I would. You know what? I'm going to say no less than five. Yeah, it's going to be at least five years before we see him again. But we're definitely going to see him. In that's fair again. because like Lincoln came out in 2012. So. Yeah, he takes five years off between movies. Yeah, that's true. Just so like regularly. All right, I'm going to give it seven. Okay, I'm bumping up my number. Let's do a pool. Um, but I mean, Daniel Day Lewis is great. Obviously, he's good. But I think the real the real strength of that film, besides, I mean, it's one of the most gorgeous things I've ever seen with my eyes. Like, it's so <laughs> beautiful. And like, full disclosure, I am a fashion nerd. I I love fashion. I follow fashion. So all the like couture that is in this film is just oh, like yeah. already sure. it's already given me a bias, like one hundred percent. But then um, the two female performances from uh, Vicky Kripes and Leslie Manville is the love interest in the, his sister. No relation, right? <sighs> My name isn't Manville. It's Manville. <laughs> 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 and uh, are just so strong. I think that, I mean, those, I haven't seen either of those actresses. I don't think in anything before this. And I think they're really great. I mean, they're holding their own with Daniel Day-Lewis. And in my opinion, kind of outshining Daniel Day-Lewis. And I also think, I feel like the, reason this movie maybe isn't getting as much buzz as some other things is that they didn't know how to market it yeah because this is a comedy in my opinion like i think it's pretty funny and i think it is pretty certain things are certainly played to be funny like no this is a comedy yeah i would have to i would have to agree with that 100 percent. which i don't think any of the trailers would suggest that this is a comedy no i think it'd be a hard sell yeah (laughs) (laughs) so it's just it's kind of like a delightful surprise when you get in there and like the first two things it's just kind of like huh 
and then like as it goes i don't want to spoil anything because i really do think people should go see it but it takes some turns in the plot that you're not going to see coming it goes it goes in a direction that i didn't think it was going to go into but i think it really works it's a really interesting uh love story about a relationship between a a very particular man and the the woman who uh figured him out i'm gonna say i like that and uh yeah i just think that i just think people should go see it because i don't think it's what people i think it kind of looks like it just be like a dry period piece with pretty dresses and it is a lot more more than that and it's a lot more nuanced than that but also a lot funnier than that and just sure i can't recommend it enough the dresses are like gorgeous i love it i mean i I absolutely agree it i would recommend it for sure um number four on my list and Devin, i'm sorry to beat you to the punch although i'm sure you're gonna have a lot more to add so i'll be brief about it okay is lady bird lady i've been following greta gerwig for a while now um i think this is uh very good time for her and i'm glad it's she's more than an actress which is what i've mostly seen her in obviously besides her co-directing and nights and weekends which i would highly recommend as well um i think she's really made her mark as a writer and director and i cannot wait to see more from her um if this is just one ounce of what she can do i think she's going to be one of the best to be like mm-hmm. I, I i really do think that so that's all i'm gonna say about that because i know you'll get to more of it um yes. but it is a it is a very enjoyable movie i know it's one of the most praised movies of the year and deservedly so if you have not had a chance to see ladybird i I think it may still be playing in some theaters and it'll probably get yeah. another run for yeah the oscars, for the oscars but uh definitely if you get a chance you need to check it out at home um please do and i'll i'll wait until yeah you're gonna talk about it again all right so what's your number three Devin? Or your number four? My number four Sorry. is The Big Sick, directed by Michael Showalter. Just to clarify, number four. Number four. Okay. The Big Sick. Yes. Which, uh, it's directed by Michael Showalter, written by Camille Nanjiani and Emily V. Gordon, who, it's based on their real life love story. Um, when they met, and he, he's obviously Pakistani, and she is white, and there were some issues with that. And then she, I don't think this is a spoiler, right? It's the plot of the movie she goes into a coma she's put into a medically she gets induced coma. big sick she gets a big sick and uh <laughs> and so i just i think it's a romantic comedy but it's not a romantic comedy in any because it's really i feel like it's more about him falling in love with her family and his fa- her family falling in love with her because i mean she's like unconscious through majority of this movie mm-hmm. and you do you do get them like obviously when they first meet they're falling in love there but i do think it's so much more about him winning over her family and i just think that's so interesting and i think the fact that um it's based on true events it's one of those things where it's like it's so specific that it makes it it just obviously it's gonna like ring more true which makes it feel more universal because it's based on real people in real situations for sure and i mean i mean and they cast ray romano yeah ray romano is so great they're all great they're all great. Holly Hunter is great. Kumail is great. Uh, Zoe Kazan is great. And it's got the whole conversation. The 9-11 conversation <laughs> is literally one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> Every time I see that clip, yeah, I die laughing. For sure. And uh, yeah, I just think that it's an incredible true love story. And I'm glad that 
the people who were in that true love story were also writers. And so they got to share that story with the rest of us because. For sure. No. This is great. And I, I mean, I followed, um, Emily Vigoran wrote some stuff that I really like. So I started following her like a while ago. So it almost feels like I just like know her. I don't know. That sounds dumb, but okay, like, you sound crazy. I know. Right, but let's wrap this like, one up. So charming. And I love it. And yeah. I love them. And I love that their movie is like getting recognition and the people are, Amen. get to see their story. Cause I think it's beautiful. I absolutely agree. I think it's, to me, it's, you know, it's the best romantic, com- like when knocked up came out, I said that was the, finally the best romantic comedy I've seen in like a long time. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I watch a lot of romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the best one since that. It might even be, it's, I think it's probably better than that. I think it's um, much better than that. Well, I don't really like knocked up though. <laughs> I know. And you know, there, there's a thing It came out when I was in, you know, we were in high school. Knocked up. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think it, you know, it comes from a very male centered sense of humor. I mean, that movie is like 95% male. Yeah. It casts Catherine Heigl in a really unfortunate role that I didn't appreciate. It's, uh, but it's, <sighs> they turn her just into like a nagging caricature of a woman. See, no, I don't know if that, okay. We're not going to get into this, I don't this, get gar- into this argument debate, now. But... I mean, I agree with you in a, in a certain sense. Yeah. Um, I don't think it necessarily does it in favor of men though. I think it just does. It does. You know what? It's not. It's not the point. It's not the point. <laughs> the big sick does give that female voice a uh, a chance in the spotlight. Yes. And it really is. It really is one of the funniest movies of the. Well, it is probably the funniest movie of the year. Yeah. Besides Phantom Thread. Besides Phantom Thread. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it is. It is a fun watch. You can watch it with friends, family, your loved ones. Yeah. You know I mean, it's it's, it's really a movie family. for everybody. Um, maybe not children because why would you want to watch a movie with children that's fair fair. (laughs) um cool uh my number three speaking of comedies yeah uh phantom threat cool so you know i'm thinking about this list like when i posted this list i was like this is what it is right now it could change i do think that in a few weeks or a few months time um phantom thread may be even higher on this list yeah i really loved this movie uh to basically everything Devin said, it's one of the most beautiful movies. It didn't feel like this sounds so lame, but it didn't feel like I was watching a movie. It literally felt like I was. This movie was like washing over me while it was happening. Because I'm not gonna lie, that's a good. Way to there's not it. much of a plot here. Like no. that's what I w- I was gonna add, but I thought I'd have something to talk about for myself. Sure, sorry. <laughs> to your thing is like it's a hard movie to market. I think it is in that way. Yeah, it um, is light on. There's plot. not much going on here. It's more of a character study and. Ugh, a hilarious one again at that but i think it is visually the best movie of the year i think paul thomas anderson even though he's not taking some fucking credit on cinematography i i think if this was nominated for best cinematography at the oscars that i would actually prefer he win over over roger Roger deakins yeah wow given listen roger deakins blade runner i think well one he's a fantastic cinematographer who's deserved more wins than now yes but like I mean, he deserves a nomination. Like he, they should go back and be like, "We're sorry, we didn't give you best cinematography for, uh, um, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford." They should just really apologize for that. It's one of the best looking movies of the twentieth century and the twenty first century, and it fucking bothers me. Okay. Okay. But I do think that this is the prettiest, most well shot movie of the year. Mm-hmm. Um. Blade Runner 2049 uses a lot of, you know, digital effects, green screen, that kind of thing. You know, I don't, sure. obviously, but he had full control over the, you know, the lighting and, the, you know, the colors of that. So, you know, fair enough. I think he is going to win, judging by the nominations. Could be wrong. Usually am. Uh, but yeah. 20 times. <laughs> I think this is, I think this is not only the best look, I think it's the best directed film of the year. 
I'm not like I am a PTA fan, but mm-hmm. like anyone who loves movies and is not a PTA fan, like I just I don't understand. Like he's just one of those directors where it's like I get it. Like there's so many Wes Anderson fans who I think just like his style, but sure. like not you know they don't necessarily have other favorite directors or like you know stuff like that. It's just like a Wes Anderson movie is a Wes Anderson movie. I don't think a PTA movie, a Paul Thomas Anderson movie is just like in its own little category. I don't. I just literally believe with my heart of hearts, I don't know why I said literally, but I believe with my heart of hearts that he is one of the best working directors today. And I don't love all of his stuff. Yeah. But I can admire just about everything he touches because he's just one of those people it's like he was born, I think, to be in this industry or to to be in an art medium of some sort. I'm just wow, I'm blabbering at this point. <laughs> You're fanboying a little bit on PTA. Yeah, like but I'm not trying to be because I'm never like no, I know. I've never claimed to be. It's just with the realization lately and looking back at his work and then seeing Phantom Thread that he just is like one of the best. Like any kind of praise or any fanboydom for him is so well deserved. For sure. It really is. Like I think he's one of the best, obviously. Yes. Wow. I just feel like I ranted. I'm sorry. No, you didn't. So that's my number three. Phantom Red. Go see it. We both agree. Yes. All righty. My number three is Three Billboards Outside Abbey, Missouri mm. by Martin McDonough. Who, you know, I said at the beginning that three of my favorite filmmakers made movies this year, and one of those is Martin McDonough. I uh, really appreciate his work. In Bruges is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, and I also love that short film, Shooter. It's great if you haven't seen oh, it. Yeah. She is a... She, you know what? You are a fanboy of so many of these people on your list. I know. <laughs> and... Uh, fangirl, sorry. A fangirl, yes. Um, Why are you... I'm scoping your list. Don't look at my list. I have to. Why? Because I just feel like I'm going to go over everything you're going to say. Mm-mm. All right. No, we're good. Okay. Okay. Great. <laughs> Why don't you make a note to edit that out? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right. So three billboards outside Abbey, Missouri by Mark McDonough, uh, who I love. And this movie, I think is, I don't, I still prefer in Bruges, I think looking at his body of work, but, um, cause this, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. This, I would say, usually, you know, what he does really well is dark comedies. Um, And this certainly has some dark comedic elements, but I think it's much more of a straight up drama, too. There's much more dramatic parts in this than in his other work, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. You're looking at me like I'm crazy, but. (laughs) No, I'm just thinking, no, it's okay. Uh, But I think that um, one of my favorite things about it is that it was completely unpredictable. I mean, every time it took a turn, it wasn't what I was expecting at all. Yeah. I think that um, it was uh, bitingly funny also in a way that I think that Martin McDonough is very, very good at. Obviously, he wrote the script as well. And um, I think the performances in it are really probably the strongest part of it. Frances McDormand gives a performance that is just... Exceptional. Exceptional. Like, I can't even... It's so good there's so much raw emotion behind it that it's it's just fantastic she deserves every single award that she's been winning like yeah fantastic and just the overall cast in general you know sam ronquil's great woody harrelson i'm always gonna love uh even lucas hedges and oh yeah i mean it's just peter dinklage yeah john hawks it's great so um he's a writer actors clearly want to work with yes absolutely and he, i mean it is it's very well paced the dialogue is great he's a great writer yeah i do i think that you know it's coming under some backlash right now for the racial politics of it um 
which I do understand. I'm not saying that I don't see people's point in that. I think that though people who are saying there's a certain character that is, you starts out pretty unlikable and maybe isn't as unlikable at the end. But I do think that the level to which he's redeemed is being a little bit exaggerated by people. Oh, hundred percent disparaging the film. And I also think that, um, obviously he goes through some stuff that would create a vast personality shift as well though. So sure. I'm just going to say that in response to backlash stuff, but I do understand people that have a problem. I mean, with it. I think it's human though. I think if, if Martin McDonough would have made this character totally redeemed, I don't think he does a huge effort to make him redeemed. Actually. I think, I don't think he's no, parts, there's but like minor. If, if he got a whole redemption. That would be so like a punch in the gut mm-hmm. that it, it would be offensive. If that well, that's how case. some people feel, though. That oh, see, I, I didn't get that vibe. I didn't either. I didn't see. I, didn't I think see my either. dislike for the character is part of the reason I'm not in love with Sam Rockwell winning all these awards. Yeah, well, there's other people I prefer to be winning them. But I think <laughs> that he was great. And I think that um, what is so great, like the reason it's so good, too, is that like every single character in this movie is in shades of gray. There's no one who's a hero. The, there's no one who's a pure villain. Like everyone is. uh yeah flawed like deeply flawed Everyone's deeply human. deeply flawed i think his, his yes. best thing is he writes characters that you see in other people like like i know, Exaggerated I know that kind of person of, no for yeah. sure i mean yeah exactly like, hopefully you don't know a lot of these people no. but <laughs> i mean i'm sure they exist i'm sure they do um but yeah and i think it's great it's a great message in a way too that i think is kind of important right now of uh how bad things can get if you let anger and rage control your actions amen so it's my number three. Right on. Um, my number two is Call Me By Your Name, directed by Luca Guadagnino. Guadagnino. Okay. Guadagnino. Thank mm-hmm. you, Devin. Um, and this is a coming of age movie about a kid, a Jewish kid in Italy, kind of figuring out life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all I got. It's good. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, number it's, two. <laughs> sorry, it's based on a novel, but it's about it's about the, this boy kind of realizing that he uh, may be attracted to men. Who isn't attracted to Army Hammer? <laughs> well, though? okay, fair <laughs> enough. You bring Army Hammer into the picture, like I would think about fucking him, but <laughs> um, no. Um, uh, but it really, it's you know, it's dealing with just in the '80s when you know, like especially being so secluded and you're like, you're in Italy and, uh, and like a small village in Italy. Yeah. yeah a small village in Italy. Like, you know, being gay, it was basically, you know, it, it literally was not as just like accepted as it is now. No. Like it has been a thing that is getting progressively better with each year that goes by. Um, but yeah, so I, I personally can't like, obviously as a straight white man, like I do not, I, I'm not going to say like, I personally can relate to his experience as far as the, as far as homosexuality, but like regardless young love and the impressions that people make on you like during this critical time of your life are so relatable so really like at the end of the day you know people can call this a gay movie or whatever it's not like it's Mm-mm. it's a it's a love story it, it it truly is um and about connections to other people to um lovers to your family um to yourself and Calling By Your Name, I think, is so well executed in just feeling like it's a story. There's nothing divisive. It just exists for you to experience and for you to find something within it that, like, touches you personally. Um, 
which it's so weird because I wouldn't say Luca really shines in a sort of directing style except for like the look of ease upon he's a master creating a mood yeah right right yeah he, he just yeah he creates this mood and everything from the, the visuals the performances are absolutely incredible um the music is amazing i wish i wish sufjan stevens was getting more he's nominated for best song isn't i he? know but i wish he was like actually winning because that yeah. song is incredible and and probably the depths he had to go explore to just even write something that beautiful and that important to the story is just i don't know something else it's truly a movie to behold it's i mean it's even playing in our town uh in illinois I'm sure it's playing in a lot of other places. Yeah, I think I, it's gone wide now. I, yes, I can't recommend this movie enough. I think we'll be hearing more about it. It does keep getting awards recognition, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think this is one of the best films of the year, regardless of being one of my favorites or not. Um, again, that's my number two, Call Me By Your Name. I have to say, this is the one that hurt me the most to not put it on my list. Yeah, I was probably that's. You that's said I was like, looking confused while you were talking about. The, I was just thinking about like how did, she did not she? include that on our list? I really, really did. I loved it. I didn't think it was great. It's just kind of um, the only the only reason it didn't make my list is my number eleven. But the reason it didn't make my top ten is uh, it took me a little while to get on board with it. I thought that the pacing was just like slightly off. Okay. Whereas other movies, I was on board sooner, so I just kind of... Were you like, it's going kind of slow and nothing's happening? Yeah. So you're like, Kyle's loving this. <laughs> yeah, that- <laughs> I was like, this is his favorite movie. <laughs> yeah, it, I just think that it kind of took a while. I think, though, the strongest points of that movie are the last, like, two scenes. The scene with his dad at the end, and then kind of, like, the credit scene. But um, those two... Like, that ending was so strong. Yeah. It, it almost made up for the fact that I wasn't on board <laughs> in the beginning, but, like... <laughs> ultimately it didn't do enough but it, it is it is timothy chalamet i mean i haven't seen the darkest hour yet i don't know how good gary oldman is i'm sure he's great because he's gary oldman yeah but timothy chalamet is like for that for being 22 <sighs> years old like i'm not even mad if he doesn't win because i know one day he will get the recognition he deserves he will i don't think it's gonna be a leo moment or anything like that i think it's gonna be <laughs> where they just give it to him because they're like eh, nothing they're like really can you leave us year. alone here's your freaking oscar yeah, <laughs> get out of our faces <laughs> Uh, just kidding. Okay. Not really. But yeah, no, I really, I really wished that I could have put that on my list. Yeah. But speaking of Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. My number two movie is Lady Bird by Greta Gerwig. Cool. Uh, and again, it's kind of that same sort of thing. First of all, I love Greta Gerwig. That's the third person on this list who is one of my favorite. <laughs> She's one of my, been one of my favorite screenwriters for a really long time. Yeah. Um, so I was very excited about her directorial debut. Not that long of a time. Her solo. <laughs> you said well, a really we did Francis Ha come out. Like, that long of a time. <laughs> well, okay. Maybe not as long as Aaron Sorkin or sure. Martin McDonough, yeah. but a while. And uh, so I was very excited about this movie. And I think that, I think it's so great. It's a, you know, another coming of age story about a teenage girl. And... There really like aren't a lot of those really there's lots of coming of age stories but very rarely do we get it with a female character and i think that again i think it's very very autobiographical to to greta gerwig's adolescence but i think that because it's so personal that is what makes it feel universal like that's the kind of thing that i that i'm attracted to in general and i think it captures girlhood in a way that just so many films don't i think that there's so many things that like 
I mean, my my life experience isn't that similar to Ladybirds, you know? Sure. But there's so many like little things in it that just rang so true. Like my it's very much about like her relationship with her mother, Lori Metcalf, who which I was gonna say earlier is like she deserves every single award and it makes me so sad she's not winning them because she's so fantastic and I love her so much. But um the relationship that they have as a mother daughter, you know, it doesn't it's not at all like my relationship with my mother. My mom is not that passive aggressive or <laughs> anything like that. But it's still there's so many like little moments between them that I think any mother and daughter can relate to that um i think that's why it is being it's so popular and it kind of took off the way that it did especially you know there was like a trend of daughters taking their moms to go see it which i did i took my mom to go see it but um <laughs> i just think that it it's so true and so it feels so great and uh you know i was thinking about it i uh i wish that this film had come out when i was younger in a way yeah because you know i've talked about previously on this podcast about how almost famous is one of my favorite movies which is also it's like the coming of age story that i saw as i was coming of age and so i just think that like i think when you look at like my when i look at like the list of like my favorite films of all time uh almost famous is always going to be on there because i mean most of the films it on my came list to you in the right point of your life, right and i think sure. as you're younger like those films that you saw at pivotal times in your life are always yeah. going to mean more to you and so I kind of wish this movie had come out when I was younger right. so that I could have that on my list because I already have a coming of age. But isn't it beautiful build. that so many people are going to have it on their list? That's what I'm saying. I'm like jealous of the people that do yeah. get to have it. Although I will say on my top five list of favorite movies of all time is Francis Ha, which I think is very much almost like a sequel to this movie. It kind of right, right. feels the same as written by Greta Gerwig. But um, I do feel a bit like, again, I saw that movie at a time in my life that was more accurate like to that to, to, that, to the, point that movie in her, so, yes in her story yeah so i do have that and uh i don't know i but i love lady bird so much i will say it's not number one on my list but in 2017 it probably is my per- personally like it feels the most personal to me yeah, as a movie sure um there's just there's one more movie that i thought was a better movie as well but mm-hmm. i'll get into that when mm-hmm. we talk about it but uh Lady Bird and Saoirse Ronan is so amazing and I love her. Yeah. I'm so happy that this like tiny little girl in atonement is now like <laughs> making great things still. Yeah. What a team. I know. Ugh. And I love Greta Gerwig and I'm just so happy for her and I want her to win everything. Always. Nice. Well, good baby. I'm glad. So that's my number two. All right. Um, my number one had a little bit of controversy around it. Um, the original director backed down. And they had to, for personal reasons, they had to bring in another writer and director. It's Justice League. Shut uh, up. <laughs> I was like, where are you going with this? No. Uh, <laughs> as I peaked your list, we have the same number one. So I feel we like we do. should just talk about it together. Okay. So on the count of three, should yes. we say what it is? One, two, two three. The, the Florida, Florida Project. Project. By Sean Baker. Yes. Um, this is a movie we obviously saw together. Like most of these movies. We got these movies together. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, uh, The Florida Project is easily the best movie of the year. Yes. Um, I haven't felt... See, here's here's something that's, that, that kind of stinks. And it's not for any, you know, particular reason. There, you know, there's no one to blame. But, you know, female directors have been the talk. Or, or sexual misconduct has been the talk. But, like, this movie... 
addresses or sorry racism and get out you know what i mean but this movie addresses something that is like a problem everywhere in this fucking country and it didn't seem like it sparked a conversation briefly i know and then then it got drowned out yeah yeah and that's like the low income families they're called the hidden homeless the hidden homeless thank you Mm -hmm. um who yeah who have to live out of motels because they don't have reliable jobs or you know what i mean they 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 get they get shifted around a lot they have to do things that may not be legal just to get by and support their families themselves um and like that is like the overarching idea behind this movie Mm -hmm. but it's told from the eyes of an amazing child named brooklyn prince she's so fantastic well that's that's her that's the actress's name yes who just i don't know i I don't don't, i'm kind of sorry i'm kind of at a loss for words it's just like the most beautiful and i think like a very important i'm not gonna say it's the most important movie by any means but like it is a very important movie that tells this amazing story around this very uh this very real issue and sets it next to fucking disney world Mm -hmm. in orlando florida so right outside of this land where dreams come true Mm -hmm. are these people who's who can't even like literally afford to dream like yeah maybe that's not the right way to word that but like their dreams aren't going to come true anytime soon Mm -hmm. and sean baker returns after a huge hit with tangerine to direct this film and i think he's always doing putting important things or just interesting things he wants to explore at the forefront of his movies. He's telling the stories and of people who don't get their stories told. Yeah. V- and that, I think that's very important. I agree. Why don't you talk? Well, I think too, you know, I think this is the kind of movie that could, you know, turn really melodramatic pretty easily. But I think by making the main character Mooney, I think she's what, like six or something. Yeah, I think she plays six. She plays six. I think and I think that age is really important because it's all through her perspective. And I think she's at a point where she's young enough where she doesn't fully understand the circumstances that she's in. So she can still this is her summer break. This is her living her life with her friends and blah, blah. And everything still looks magical through her eyes. Yes. So you're seeing she's having a great time, you know, like her summer's going great. She's having fun. And like watching it as adults, you can see things aren't going well. And that it's probably headed somewhere not great. But I think the the what I loved about it is like it doesn't ever feel too like overwhelmingly bad because I think like seeing it through her perspective, she doesn't see it that way. Yeah. And um, right, and it, this this movie doesn't necessarily have a heavy fist. No, it just gives you a lot to kind of think about or try to let in while experiencing the story. And I think too, it's one of those things too where I was like thinking about. I don't want to give too much away, but like I think it's one of those things where like if you were reading a news article with the with the events of this movie listed as like a a news piece you would be like you would have one feeling about it and then i think actually like seeing these characters and like the mom in this movie i think too what i loved about it is like she's not on paper she's not a great mom but you can see how much she loves her daughter and how much she is trying to protect her but i mean she's she's got to be what like 22 20 like she's she's young young. she's She's a kid too and so it really does just drive home this idea that like everyone is doing the best that they can and then there's this beautiful 
community in this motel of like the the guy who runs the hotel Willem Dafoe and just like all the other families that live there and people that live there and they all kind of do like look out for each other and care like try and they're trying to make things work and it's just that their their circumstances aren't going to allow them to do that which I think is true for so many families and that's why I think that it's important that these kind of movies exist and you know and unfortunately they don't exist that much and they don't even this isn't getting the recognition that I think that it deserves but I think the reason that I have this at number one you know I was talking about how like I much I love Lady Bird and so personal to me but like to a certain extent like obviously I'm gonna relate to Lady Bird because I was a teenage girl and had a mom and you know whatever else like those are things that are very relatable to me like the stuff in the Florida Project isn't a single thing that's anything that's happening you know what I mean I can't there's no reason I should relate to it at all and yet I was so pulled into it and so moved by it and I think obviously it's a much harder job to get you invested in something like that than it is to get invested in something that mirrors your life more closely for sure um so I think Sean Baker is so amazing and I don't I don't know. I can't wait to see what else he does because I think that the the stories he's telling are really important. I absolutely agree. Um, I think this is, you know, I mean, it's it's the best movie of the year. Like yeah. I, I've never not, I haven't, since I've seen this movie, it has not moved for my number one spot. And I, I feel like that's telling something. Um, but yeah, again, the Florida project, I don't, I don't know if it's out yet. I've, actually, I would assume it has to be, if not sh- very shortly. Yeah, I don't think it is yet. It probably but, will be because it's not going to get another run since it didn't get nominated. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, I recommend this movie more than any one on my list for various reasons. Um, yeah. Again, that's the Florida project. Agreed. All right. Apparently you don't have honorable mentions, but I have honorable mentions. Okay. So I'm going to go through those real quick. You named like a lot of my honorable mentions. So. Okay. Well, so some of my honorable mentions, like I said, Columbus, Call Me By Your Name, uh, Star Wars, Last Jedi, one of my honorable mentions, mm. which I will. T- are you going to talk about that later at all? No. Okay. Well, I just want to say Star Wars, The Last Jedi is probably one of the most, one of the best theater experiences that I had sure. both times that I saw it in theaters. Yeah. Um, There's moments in that that are at like, literally breathtaking and like i yeah. gasped both times yeah <laughs> I, mean, I saw it um and i think it's great i think it's i mean there's obviously a lot of controversy surrounding it for reasons that i don't fully understand but i think it's undisputedly in my opinion even though i just said undisputedly the best directed star wars movie ever it's the most yeah. visually appealing That's star wars movie inarguable. ever yep uh so i just want to say that i did want to put it on my list but i just couldn't make report again the reason i did my list not including star wars is because yeah it was easily my best experience of the theater this year as well um one of my most fa- favorite movies uh it might even be my favorite star wars movie and that's that's gonna be crazy i don't expect everyone to agree with that but right now that's hanging with me i think it might be my favorite too but that's not saying as much she hasn't seen I'm the not... prequels yet so i've seen the prequels oh never mind I'm i haven't sorry. seen them since they came out in theaters but oh, okay, i've seen okay. them <laughs> i was what like seven when i saw them i don't know when they came out uh so other ten yeah nine eight eight or nine i was an age that was in single digits but um (laughs) so my other all mentions are i don't feel at home in this world anymore amen on netflix which is another movie that was on my list for so long and last minute got bumped off yeah i because that came out what like in january yeah 2017 i think it literally just became a memory thing for me yeah like i remember really loving it but like can I defend it against these other movies? That's exactly why yeah. it got bumped off mine. But it's on Netflix. I highly recommend it. Um, some of the ones I got, The Beguiled, 
Atomic Blonde, Wind River. Uh, Rin- Wind River. Oh, yeah. Uh, Wind River, I just want to comment on. We went to go see this movie a month after it was released around here. It was still playing here. Mm-hmm. So we're just like, let's go check it out. We're hearing decent things. I think is you know, easily, if I had a top 15, I think it'd be on there. Yeah, absolutely. Truly loved Wind River. It was great. Um, I also got Blade Runner 2049, uh, The Shape of Water, Mr. Roosevelt. Oh, yeah, Shape of Water. I keep forgetting that one. And Lady Macbeth. I wish I liked Shape of Water more. I need to give it a second chance. I don't know if I was just in a weird headspace that day or what, but it, it I wasn't even considering it for my top tone. I do think uh, Shape of Water, I will say, I think one of the flaws of it is the marketing. I think that the trailer gives away way too much. Oh, so I was literally like, I was watching it and like waiting for things to happen because I knew certain things were going to happen from the And around here it had been advertised forever, but didn't just didn't come out in theaters until I I think is it here this weekend. Yeah. Like it's ridiculous. You know what I mean? We had, we went out of town to see it, but Mm -hmm. it was been advertised here since like October. It feels like. Yeah. So we've seen the trailer a hundred times and then, and then, uh, one more movie I want to shout out. Sorry, do you have anything else to say about Shape of Water? No. One more movie I want to shout out is an honorable mention, and what I think is one of the more one of I think it's the most important movie of this year, actually. Whoa. Is Girls Trip. Oh, very nice. Because I will say, first of all, it's really freaking funny. If you haven't seen, I mean, I feel like most people have seen it because it did super well. But what I think is important about it is that you know we always say there needs to be more movies made with black people for black audiences, and this is a movie that isn't about slavery and it has four black women as the leads and the whole thing it takes place at essence fest so the whole thing is kind of just like a celebration of black womanhood Mm -hmm. but it's just funny and it still can appeal to was that on the top 10 of the box office no it was but it did really well right Mm -hmm. well 27 doesn't sound great but i know it did. it was the top it was one of the top 10 movies of the summer which is good okay so yeah it did really great and I just think that this it's important because I think now more movies are going to be made for those audiences and with those actors, those kinds of like black actors. Mm-hmm. And they've proven that there is an audience beyond just black women, even though that's a substantial audience all on its own. Yeah. There's an audience even beyond that. So they're going to continue making more movies with more black people. Amen. So Amen. I think that's very I think important. that's huge. I, I really like the way you set that up. Yes, I would absolutely agree. All right, so now we got a few more other categories that we're going to talk about. A few quick categories. Mm-hmm. So the big, the first one is our biggest disappointment. Um, my biggest disappointment was a little movie called Mother. That's the that's correct reading of that. It, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm. You know, I'm not a huge Darren Ar- Aronofsky fan. I typically do enjoy his work. I even like Noah. Um, <laughs> I do typically <laughs> I enjoy his work. I think this was just a pat on his own back, self-indulgent crap. I hated it. (laughs) I hated it. Once you put together, it was about, you know, Genesis. Well, yeah. Uh, It it was just like, okay, all right, we're there. Now what? You know what I mean? And it Mm -hmm. just drug itself out. I thought it it looked good, and I thought the performances were fine i think jennifer lawrence gave a pretty good performance of that. yeah no no, no. Oh, they're fine they're fine oh yeah and then uh kristen wig oh just just blew me away when that she showed up took me out of it right when that, i was already really like my point, not really it? in it i guess <laughs> no all of a sudden kristen wig of snl shows up and it's just like <laughs> how are how are we still supposed to be connected to this movie at this point you know what i mean 
I don't know. That was a big disappointment for me. I thought we were going to get this, like, new take on horror, and I guess some people can still safely call it that, but, like, I didn't. I think that was a movie that was marketed terribly. Uh, maybe would have saw it under different circumstances and had a different feeling about it. That's a movie that didn't need a wide release, that's for sure. Amen. Um, and it's had its fair share. I don't think I'm adding anything new to the conversation, but I, ha- you know, I do know a few fans of it who have yet to really convince me of why it's good. Um, but yeah, very disappointed mother. It was just like my ugh, theater experience of the year. It's the first thing that came to mind. For sure. For sure. I actually have a tie for my biggest disappointments. Wow. I've got two things. One is the snowman. Oh yeah. Which, uh, there's no reason it should have been as bad as it was <laughs> like it was directed by thomas alfredson who also directed uh let the right one in and tinker taylor soldier spy two very good movies it was executive produced by martin scorsese it starred michael fassbender charlotte gainsburg jk simmons val kilmer toby jones chloe svenji and it's based on a best-selling novel like all those things should equal a at least decent movie yeah and it didn't it was so bad yeah and it was so long and i just remember sitting there being like can we be done with this well you could have walked out i could have yeah i didn't though because i i also wanted to know who the killer was and then i found out and then i was like i should have walked out yeah i was lucky enough to not experience this one no i went and saw this by myself <laughs> so maybe that was sad too yeah because you were all like i don't want to see it and i was like i still do yeah that's fine I have movie pass. I'm glad so it wasn't I didn't a big deal. It. Yeah. All right, what's the other tie? My other biggest disappointment. They're not all ties, are they? Because I just feel like you're really no, stretching they're this not list all. out. Okay. My other biggest disappointment was the disaster artist. Oh, fair, fair. I yeah. uh, I was really looking forward to this movie. You know, I saw the trailer for it. It looked hysterical. We went to a to a screening of the room so that we'd be prepared yeah. for it. And the room was, you know, I liked it the way you liked the room. Not in a it was a good way, but in a like that was an entertaining way to spend an hour. But um, this movie, I just, it left me with such an icky feeling. That's the only way I can Ooh, describe I, it. I like that description, though. I just, it just feels to me, and it, maybe this is just my impression and it's not accurate, but it just feels to me like Tommy Wiseau, who the disaster is based on the director of the room, is not fully in on the joke that they're making with this movie. And I think, you know, in the movie where James Franco is playing Tommy Wiseau and Dave Franco is playing Greg Sestero and they're having this conversation. They want to be actors, blah, blah, blah. And they kind of are looking at James Dean as like their idol. And I think the reason it doesn't work for me is like, it just feels like it's so it's punching down in a way that makes me feel uncomfortable because Tommy Wiseau was never going to be compared to James Dean. Whereas James Franco spent the first portion of his career being compared to James Dean and playing James Dean. Yeah. So it's just like, it doesn't seem fair that someone who can play James Dean is now also playing Tommy Wiseau. It just, you know what I mean? It just feels off in a way that makes me uncomfortable. And I just think, you know, the whole movie paints Tommy as someone who's desperately trying to fit in, desperately trying to get acceptance and um, friendship. And so it just seems to me that he goes along with what the room has become because it's the only kind of acceptance Hollywood has ever given him. Absolutely. I mean, that's and that's the true story to it. Like when watching this movie, like there were several times where I laughed really hard and I thought Mm -hmm. things were funny. And then when it when it wasn't funny, when it was a a realization that we feel bad for this Tommy Wiseau character, like 
I mean, I let, I let the movie like sweep over me like it, I was in it. I was with it. You know what I mean? I believed that James Franco was Tommy Wiseau. You know, like I yeah. was with this movie. But yeah, when it goes to the parts where it's like, wow, I feel very sympathetic for this character. Then it comes to the realization now it's falling apart. Now it is James Franco again. Mm-hmm. And now it is this real story of a guy who, yeah, who like was told that he was doing everything right. Mm-hmm. And then was proven he was doing everything wrong and then had to embrace that. You know what I mean? Right. And that's that's not some hero's journey. It's not like that's not a way to like jump on board. Like that's nothing to like honestly get behind. It was a movie that literally just made fun of this guy and how bad this movie is. Mm-hmm. And like that's fine. At the end of the day to me, that's fine. But not when you put Tommy Wiseau, a real person, constantly in interviews, constantly back in the press, bringing him to award shows. And then not letting him talk. Yes. That is not fine. No, it's taking advantage of him, I think. And I also think that the movie didn't really understand the tone it was trying to do. Because I think that like there is a lot of stuff where you're, I think, supposed to meant you're meant to feel bad for for Tommy. Especially like the the teaser trailer scene that they use where he's trying to do the line Mm -hmm. and he can't get it, which is hysterical. Every time I saw the trailer, I'm like, that's hysterical. But in the context of the movie, it's actually like very sad and upsetting. But then, so you're like, oh, you feel bad because it, it is like he's trying really hard and he can't do it and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But then all of a sudden, like two scenes later, he's just being like a gigantic asshole for no reason that they really explain, you know, like not letting them have water and like not doing this. Yeah. And like, maybe that's what really happened, but it just seems like they didn't, they didn't strike a tone for me. They wanted to have it both ways where like he was a crazy yes. megalomaniac, but he was also It's like a they were covering figure. their bases, but then they yeah. didn't actually do it. Yeah. You know, like they they made an effort but didn't succeed. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree with that. Okay. Well, that's, I don't want to talk too much about a movie I didn't like. So All right. So next category. Overrated. Overrated. Most overrated movie. You want to go first? You want me to go first? I'll go first because you already talked about mine. Mine is Mother by Darren Aronofsky. Oh, uh, okay. Overrated? Overrated by critics. I think that obviously audiences did not care for it. Oh, okay. But I feel like so many critics are just like lavishing praise upon it. Um, and I would agree with you. I'm not a huge Aronofsky fan. I liked Black Swan. I think that's the only one I would really say that I enjoyed. Um, she didn't see Noah. I didn't see Noah. I haven't seen. I've seen, I think the only other one I've seen is like Rock Room for a Dream, but uh, which is a disturbing film. But anyway, um, this film I just feel like you know all these critics are just like, oh, it's so great, blah blah blah. But to me, it just felt like a director who people for some reason couldn't say no to which I don't get because he seems like you could say no to him. But, you know, he's not like Spielberg or something. But um, <laughs> it just seems weird to me. It's like they just let him have free reign. I'm like, do you have dirt on someone? Like, I don't understand why they're letting you make this movie. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Like, it seems strange to me. And it just it just felt like a director who was having his every whim ver- like validated. Yeah. And so what? there was no editing. There was no person there to be like, let's rein it in a little bit. So right. what you got was just this, his psychosis just like up on that screen to an extent that I don't think he was even aware of how it just makes him look like a messed up person. Yeah. And it wasn't enjoyable for anyone else. It's him working through his own issues with his divorce and whatever else. But like, I don't need to see that. That's what your therapist is for. No, I, 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 I absolutely. And I, I agree with everything you said that. about it before too. So before <laughs> that, um, for my overrated, I actually have a quick tie. I'm just going to get one out of the way really quick. Actually, these are both going to go by really quick. Um, and this could have gone with Biggest Disappointment too, but A Ghost Story by David Lowry. Oh, I yeah. thought was a movie that was going to be made for me. Like, it just be. my type of movie. 
would have probably been you know my top spot like it just really seemed like it was going to be it was sad and nothing happened yeah, should have loved yeah. it and at the end of the day i thought it would have made a really great short film but it wasted about 50 minutes of my life in my opinion. and that's a harsh review for me um but i was that, that's how disappointed i was in this movie but it's very praised by critics so i wanted to throw it on my overrated list i would agree that movie it was it was like a music video that they somehow drug right. out into someone told me it's like what Iller, what interstellar wanted to be and like I don't think that's what Interstellar wanted to be. Yeah, I like I don't quite agree with that, but like at least that person looked at it in some kind of different headspace. I mean, sure, they're thinking about it hard. Um, my most overrated movie though is uh, Baby Driver. As you noticed, it was not on either of our top ten lists. No. Um, Devin liked it a bit more than me though, I, I believe, right? Yeah, a little bit. I didn't. I wasn't as angry about it. And as you were. there was nothing there for me. Like, soundtrack was cool. Yeah, everybody loves that beginning fucking sing along. Or yeah, mantra, the, fr- the opening scene is great. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't ever live up to that, though. No. Uh, wasted character. Like, what character development, actually, yeah. I should say. Yeah. Um, the girl didn't even get a chance to really be somebody. Um, yeah, she was just yeah. a very stereotypical girlfriend. It was, just, it was okay. Drive light. Like, <laughs> didn't really care for it. Um, I was very let down. And it was just, the, the craziest part to me, though, is I went to go see it, and I was like, Oh wow, yeah, this was just not as good as I was I was expecting, you know, I was hoping. And then everyone else is just <coughs> sorry. Everyone else is just like, oh my god, it was so great. I love it. I love it. And this did come out earlier in the year, but I was shocked to just hear people talk about it like that. I, like, yeah. Just like I was shocked to hear people didn't like Star Wars last Jedi, actually. <laughs> like very much so. Uh but you know, on the reverse end, I guess. Um, but yeah, Baby Driver. Just yeah, not that good to me. Not even I don't even I think it's like Edgar Wright's worst movie. Oh wow. I don't know about that. Oh, I like his Cornado trilogy really a lot. So I don't know if I've ever seen any other Edgar Wright movies. I will say John Hamm was great in it, and John Hamm should play more villains. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he's really good at that. I would say he was fun. And you know what? I didn't even mind Jamie Foxx. That was fine. Oh, I did. Ansel Elgort, though? (laughs) It's a little too much Jamie Foxx for me. Oh, see, I I love this Jamie Foxx. I love this side of Jamie Foxx. I like the one, I like him in the, the, what movies are those? The bosses movie horrible bosses movies oh, oh my god <laughs> I, Dude, I love when bosses. jamie fox is like well aware that he's jamie fox but like why is he not aware that he's jamie fox well, that's no. fair okay <laughs> uh but yeah that's my overrated do you already do your overrated yeah you did yeah my overrated was mother all right what's our next court category Devin? the most underrated underrated so my most underrated oh. this is me making up don't so now you don't have to be mad at me anymore oh, okay it's blade runner 2049 oh okay again this was not it's like the opposite of my mother thing because it was, it was correctly rated by critics, but it was just audiences that didn't seem to care for it or oh, go to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I, I mean, again, it's a movie. I think it's the most stunning visually movie. I can't. We've been recording for a while, and I just realized that that sentence didn't make any sense. So I'm just gonna. It's been a long night. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most visually stunning. I believe is what I was trying to say. Most visually stunning movie of the year. It's gorgeous, but I think even beyond that, you know, I think it gets a lot of praise for that. And then people are like, oh, that's all that it offers. But I think that the story is fantastic as well. I think that um, it offers a lot more interesting plot than the original Blade Runner did. The original Blade Runner, I don't think is even like measures up to this, honestly. Like this is the sequel is this is a Godfather part two situation like for a lot of people understand that. Yeah. Where the second one is probably better than the first one. Yeah. And I do think, you know. My only like silver lining in the fact that like it didn't it didn't do that well and people 
apparently audiences didn't care for it but blade runner also didn't do well and it has gone on to become this like cult sure uh, sure. masterpiece people respect it a lot more now than they did when it came out so all i can assume is that the same thing is going to happen for blade runner 2049 although it is, i don't know how that's going to play if people watch it at home because i think that is a movie that you really should see we saw it in imax and like it's yeah. just so beautiful yeah and it's it's like a really long movie too but there was never a moment where i was like yeah i need this to be over because i could have like stayed in that world for another three hours yeah, you know for sure so you people should have seen it more yeah it's your fault yeah not you listeners you probably like oh it. yeah you guys, Our, you guys are cool i don't know whatever <laughs> the people not listening yeah that we're talking yeah, to we're right talking now to the, are, are not our listeners yeah, screw you guys <laughs> all right my uh under the radar i got two again i'm sorry i do have two okay. I, I forget it looked like one it looks uh, like one <laughs> well the first one I, the last one i added i added to okay anyway it doesn't matter my under is two and i'll be really brief about it one is the beguiled yes which like i mean was on my list until very recently as far as the best movies of the year same uh sofia coppola did a fantastic job and i know there's a little bit of controversy about this movie but i also totally understand her defense um if you want to look more into that you're welcome to but um great performances absolutely gorgeous one of the best endings actually a lot of these movies you know if there's one if there is one thread, I'm going back to the beginning. It is endings. Hmm. A lot of these movies have like my favorite like last scenes or last shots. Yeah. I will say because so, something like that sticks with me. Uh, but guy, although the ending of that is just it's incredible. Um, and again, it's beautiful. Just a take on Civil War. We don't really we, we haven't really seen before. Yeah. Except for in the original, probably would be Guile, but No, I thought I think it's more from his point of view in the original. Oh, well, then good. Because yeah. this is a, another female focused movie. Yes, very much so. Very, very much so. I did love the Beguiled. And uh speaking of, another another uh female focused movie and directed by a woman. Hmm? I want to talk ver- uh very briefly about Mrs. Roosevelt. Yeah, Mr. Roosevelt. Or sorry, Miss Yeah, sorry. Yes. Because I, I said so many women things. Okay, no, Mr. Roosevelt is just like <sighs> it was on my honorable mentions. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you did mention it. It is. It's on Netflix right now. It's direct, written and directed by Noelle Wells, who had a brief stint on Saturday Night Live, and she was in the first season of Master of None. And she's in the first season of Master of None. Thank you. Um, who? It's just she made a movie that if this would have came out in the '90s would be considered a classic comedy today. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It looks like it came out in the '90s because it's shot on this like grainy, like 35 millimeter. Uh, just looks fantastic. Like it feels classic. It doesn't feel dated. It feels like this movie would be just as relevant 10 years from now, 10 years ago. Like it just—it's a comedy that I think came out in the wrong time. Yeah. Like truly. Again, I feel like if it came out 10, 20 years ago, we would we would people would know it and be watching it and still laughing at it today. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's just been buried under a year of like you know, yeah, controversy and politics and all this stuff. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But this is a really just nice funny like warm movie that I feel like anybody could get behind. Absolutely. I loved it. It's great. It's, it's a funny. It's moving. You know, touching. It's it's got everything. It's a diamond in the rough. Yes, check it out. It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Um, yeah, that's it for my uh, under the radar. Okay. Well, our final our final thing is actually like staying within the theme of our actual podcast. 
So, you know, usually we're looking at movies uh, that are at least 10 years old. So our final category is the film that we think is still going to be the most relevant in 10 years. Do you want me to go first? Uh, I can go first. Okay. So we have to only have to pick one. <laughs> Do you have two? No, but like, <laughs> listen, I'll say it like this. Uh, so sometimes when I think about stuff like this, it's like coming from like a cinephile perspective. It's like, what would be on Criterion? Sure. In the next 10 years. Like, which of these movies could I find on Criterion? And immediately, um, four movies actually come up um, on my, and they're actually in my top four. Like, I feel like I would see Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, Call Me By Your Name, and The Florida Project all on Criterion. Oh, yeah. I can picture the cover art now. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, if I had to pick one that we'll still be talking about 10 years from now. Hmm. I don't know if I'm the one to say this. And I feel like, I don't know. Maybe we have the same one. I don't, we don't have the same one. We don't have the same no. one. Really? Yes. You're like hundred percent. I'm sure 100% positive. We don't have the same one. Well, if I'm going to be really honest, <laughs> I think the movie we're definitely going to be talking about 10 years from now is star Wars. The last Jedi. That's true. <laughs> like, because people are going to realize that it's really fucking good. And it's a part of this like trilogy of, uh, good expansion on the Skywalker saga and star Wars has never died in popularity. So yeah, we're still talking about technically the last Jedi. Yes. But I think the movie that will probably be most relevant and continue to talk about, when we mentioned it briefly in our reviews of it is lady bird. I think, yeah, it's I think timeless. lady bird will be around exactly. It has that timeless, that, that, that timeless feel. And I think that'll still be talked about and still be watched by different generations, like by a different generation 10 years from now easily yeah that seems fair okay so that's my that's i mean but again those four i named will easily be on like criterion collection and be talked amongst like in this in the cinema community for i mean cinema history forever i think Mm -hmm. i do believe that uh yeah i think that those are fair criteria for me i was thinking about it and i went with a movie that i didn't even have on my top 10 list whoa was in my honorable mentions oh shit i know where you're going damn it See, I didn't even, uh, I didn't think about this. I was just basing it off my list. Okay, but I know what you're going to say. Do you? Yeah. It's The Shape of Water. Oh, that's not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> what do you think we'll, I was? We'll talk about it later. Okay. So I think The Shape of Water, um, for me, well, one. Wow. A, sorry. I'm just, <laughs> no, continue. I'm just I think it's going to. I think it's going to stand the test of time in a way because it's a fairy tale and fairy tales by design stand the test of time like most of the fairy tales we have are, you know. Okay hundreds and thousands of years old so i think that is going to help have longevity but i also looked at it in a way of like what movie is the perfect snapshot of 2017 and i think that this movie which is a fairy tale and it is very much um you know the actual like monster this movie is the character that michael shannon plays which is this like physical embodiment of toxic masculinity (laughs) yeah you're right and he's taken down by you know three lower class people a gay man, a disabled woman, and a woman of color, and a sea monster. Mm-hmm. And I think that I hope that in ten years, that's the way 2017 is remembered. Is the way that I looked at it. Damn, you put you put a, okay. <laughs> I'm just embarrassed right now. I feel like I'm I got the rug pulled out from underneath me. To be fair, I forgot about these bonus categories like until five <laughs> minutes before recording. Uh, <laughs> I love the thought you put into that. Um, and I, I really respect that. That's a, it's a really good choice. Thank you. I think you're wrong. Okay. But I really love, <laughs> <laughs> but I really love the thought behind it. And I think that's, what's most important. Mm-hmm. That's so, awesome. Yeah. I love that. No, 
Good job. And I think if it wins Best Picture, it could be a possibility. Yeah, and I think it I has think a fair shot it. of winning Best Picture. It does. It does have a fair shot. It has a very, it has a very fair shot. I agree. Awesome. So yeah, those uh, those are our thoughts on the movies of 2017. Yeah, thank you for uh, listening to us talk about a little bit more modern fare. Yeah, we'll be back to the old stuff next week. Yeah, sounds good. All right, see you then.